This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and you're listening to the DeFacto Leaders Podcast on the Bee Podcast Network, where I help pediatric therapists and educators become better leaders so they can make a bigger impact with their services. With over 15 years of experience supporting school-age kids with diverse learning needs, I'll share up-to-date evidence-based practices, my own experiences, and guest interviews designed to help clinicians, teachers, and aspiring school leaders feel more confident in the way they serve their students and clients. I'll cover a range of topics designed to help you support students' emotional and academic growth and set kids up for success in adulthood, including how to support language, literacy, executive functioning, as well as how to help IEP teams working together to support kids across the day. Whether you want to learn more effective strategies for your therapy sessions or classroom, be a more influential leader on your team, or find creative ways to use your skills to advance in your career, I've got you covered. Hey there, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 132 of the DeFacto Leaders podcast. In some of the work we do with students, we may have to help them interpret the actions of others or help them understand how they're coming across to others. Within the context of executive functioning, this is known as perspective taking. It's an essential life skill in both our professional and personal lives, which is why we need to develop this skill through adulthood. With the life coaching industry growing, this has triggered discussions about mindset. It can include the way that we attach meaning to things that happen around us, as well as the way that we interpret the intention behind the actions of others. So this conversation is not about how to help kids develop perspective taking skills, but it's how you can continue to grow this skill in yourself. As I support members of IEP teams, I've seen scenarios come up that involve potential disagreements or misunderstandings. 
And my first instinct is to get to the bottom of really what's going on so that whoever I'm supporting can make sure that they're accurately interpreting the situation or go into it with an open mind when they are interacting with the other people involved. That's why I invited Lynn Hardin to episode 132 of the De Facto Leaders podcast. She's a retired principal and life coach, and in this conversation, she shares how to be proactive as a member of your school team and how to approach conversations intentionally to improve relationships and decrease burnout. Lynn was an elementary school principal for 25 years and became a life coach because of her deep love for educators. As a principal, she struggled to clear a desk of work, to take care of her mental and physical health, to manage time and balance work with life. And she wanted a different life of purpose to support educators and students, so she became a life and leadership coach. In this conversation, we discuss ways that people working in schools can create more balance in their work and have better relationships with the other team members. We discuss answers to questions like what's driving the decisions that building administrators make regarding building-wide policies about service delivery, what should members of the IEP team do if they have concerns about policies and procedures being implemented in their buildings, what should team members do if the IEP isn't being fully implemented by members of the team, and Then we talk about how to mitigate the primary causes of burnout among educators, including things like trying to control things that are out of your sphere of influence, perfectionism, and not asking for help. Before we get going, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Time Tracking Journal. The Time Tracking Journal is a tool that walks through a strategy that builds executive functioning. Specifically, it helps kids to build the internal planning and the internal language needed in order to carry out multi-step tasks and motivate themselves to do things that might seem hard or challenging. So this could be things like chores, getting ready in the morning, doing a difficult homework assignment, especially a writing assignment. It could be walking into their classroom and making sure that they're ready for their day, really anything that involves multiple steps. And what I have found is that many schools are thinking about executive functioning, thinking about providing supports in the classroom, and they're doing part of what they need to be doing, but still seeing students struggle. Um, Maybe they're seeing behaviors and kids refusing to do things. Maybe they're seeing kids get stuck in the middle and get very frustrated. This is because things like checklists and organizers are tools that people use when they've already engaged in executive functioning and they're already using some of those skills effectively, they're not things that teach executive functioning. So it's not that those things are bad, it's just that there are certain skills that we need in order to use tools like that effectively. So I show you how to do that in the Time Tracking Journal. To learn more about it, you can go to drkarendudekrannon.com backslash time journal. Now, please enjoy this interview with Lynn Hardin. Today, I am joined by Lynn Hardin, a retired principal and life coach. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful. I'm grateful to be here. Well, I know as we were talking beforehand, there's so many different ways that we can 
use your experience and your skills to have a lot of different conversations that I think would be really helpful for people to hear. But I thought we'd just start off by having you just share a little bit about your background, the work that you've done in your career up until now, and then the work that you're currently doing. Okay, thank you. Um, I was a teacher taught third grade in Irvine Unified for a short time and then quickly realized that I wanted to have a larger impact and became a principal. And for over 20 years, I was a principal in a large urban school district in Southern California. And then at a certain age, I retired and became a life coach for principals. And today I help principals learn how to manage the many challenges of school leadership and, and running a school. I customize my life coaching to one-on-one -on -one to meet with their specific needs. And thank you for drawing on my, my <laughs> lots of experiences. Yeah. And I've led three award-winning schools. Um, our, my last school was one of the America's Best Urban Schools. And I was honored by San Diego State as a principal, as a lead, a leader, leading leader in um, equity and diversity and inclusion, which I'm really proud of. So I help principals learn how to, there's balance is a feeling, mm -hmm. um, so I can help with that in mindset work, but I, I help them to feel confident, leave work at work, um, thrive in the lives that they do have at home and just how to come from the right place in order to support their staff, their students, and their parents. So there's so many interesting things about, about mindset work because it has, in the last 10 years or so, it's just really become something that people are talking about. And I know that a lot of people need mindset work. Probably most people need it, but most people don't think that they need it. And it's like, oh, no, just give me the strategy. And obviously you need the strategy, but you need to layer the mindset on top of the strategy. So I am curious what, like what specific things come up for people in leadership positions from a mindset standpoint? And how do you figure out how to layer that on to the strategies that they, that they think that they need to do? Well, I want to comment first, it is very normal to think that I don't need mindset work. Yeah. You will not hear that. You will not have a teacher come to you or a principal go to their assistant soup and say, I need mindset work. Right. Even yeah. though growth mindset and fixed mindset was kind of the, um, the flavor of the year not yeah. too long ago, but um, I just my personal opinion, we didn't dig in deep enough. We just moved on too quickly. And if you're a human being, you do not believe you need mindset work because you have a mind that tells you you don't need mindset work. Yeah, <laughs> they're the problem or you just need to change your actions. And I um, mindset with actions is where the magic comes. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I don't we don't focus on the mindset. You, we focus on the results. What mm -hmm. result are you looking for? That's what my clients come to me. That's what my teachers came to me. My parents came to me. There was a certain result that they were looking for. And based on the result that they're looking for, I can uh, backward map to the yeah. mindset and then coach them with their thoughts and feelings. But it starts 
with focusing either on the action, but usually on the result. Someone's looking for a specific result. Yeah. I've always found that what sometimes has helped me in the past is when it's, you know, I'm distorting something in a certain way or the way that I'm looking at a situation isn't getting me where I want to go. And then someone can just come in and just point out just through very conversational means how I'm distorting it. I Something that I see a lot with people in education is just how to how to form relationships with the team and how to how to approach those interactions in the right way especially when maybe you don't agree with something that somebody in your building is doing and those kinds of things and sometimes just just using different words and language around how you describe that situation can be really um can be can be really helpful and it's those relationships are what's absolutely vital to the success of a school. We are not independent contractors, but it's difficult to change your communication skill or words if your brain and heart is not into it. Yeah. Um, The other person can sense it. There's a vibe or an energy about you. They can tell that there's a lack of sincerity to Mm -hmm. it. So what you said in the beginning was, our first um, story or thoughts may not be true. And yet <laughs> we have human is very human to think if I'm thinking it, it has to be true. Yeah. That is so normal. And so it takes a special skill to reflect and be honest about what we are thinking or what we are making something mean either it's somebody else's behavior or what something said or it's an iep situation what am i making this mean and you will have thoughts a story a narrative about it and your brain will tell you that it is absolutely true and until we can go back and look at is this really true or is it just a possibility or is it just thoughts and thoughts are just words in my brain Though um, nobody likes to hear that, oh, that's just your thoughts. <laughs> that's just oh, your I know. That yeah. Nobody wants to hear that. And I, that's not, I, I don't say that and I don't like to hear that. Yeah. So it's more about in, when I coach, um, a, when I, co- I coach teachers also, but when I coach an educator, I just keep, I get curious and I help them to make their own discoveries. To yeah. get to like, oh, that's what's going on. Not so, um, not that um, nobody wants to hear, oh, it's just your mindset and it's broken and there's something wrong with you because we're not broken. There's nothing wrong with us. Having a perception that may not serve us or serve other is superhuman and super normal. But within emotional intelligence, I think our job is to be willing to look at that, look at what's causing us pain, look at what's causing us discomfort, look at how we want a different result and just shine the flashlight on it. So that's that's really what I do. I did that as a principle. So that's why becoming a life coach was like falling off a log. Yeah, just sort of what you were already 
doing and with with a specific name. And I know you, you did some other training. I, Mm -hmm. I have, think that's really interesting the the whole idea of what you're making this mean because it does happen a lot of times if you're working on a team and a person is doing something and you think like it should happen a different way then you have all of these thoughts and ideas about why they're doing that it happens a lot with you know if there's this person in this leadership position and they make this decision about you know whatever that affects your your caseload and a lot of times there's ideas about why that person made that decision. And so that's where I've kind of had to, with some of the people that I work with, dig in a little bit and see what's really going on to see, is that, is what you're saying that they, that they think, um, is that really true? I think one scenario where it was like, everybody had to turn in their lesson plans. And so something Mm -hmm. that happens with, with therapists is that we don't do lesson plans like teachers. Our job is a little bit different. And it was like, well, my, my principal wants me to turn in a lesson plan. And I'm like, well, okay, this principal just started in a brand new principal position and they told their staff, this is what I want you to do. Maybe there's a way that you can work together and find something that fits you. Maybe they were just busy and they just didn't happen to think about how this affects the speech pathologist because they've got a lot going on. And so I don't know if that's something that you come across with, with working with teachers and principals. Um, I'm curious what if there are things that have come up for you that are sort of repeat patterns when you're working with um, teachers and principals specifically. Um, that I want to address what happened to the, the speech pathologist is that when someone, our bosses make a decision, the people we work with, it is very normal to think that it is personal. Yeah. That it is all about me. That's just being, having a human brain, nothing yeah. wrong with it. Um, I don't know that it serves, um, it serves for good teamship, uh, good, um, partnership. I know it doesn't. And yeah, I yeah. think that was one of the first, as a new principal, I heard that more than anything from yeah. my assistant superintendent, it's not personal, but boy, it sure felt like it. Mm-hmm. And my, our speech pathologist did have lesson plans. They did when they would meet, especially in groups, they would have a plan for what they what the lesson would be, what they were going to do based on the IEP and the things that not not so much one on one, they would follow the IEP, but sometimes in groups, they would because there would be different needs, different benchmarks, they would have a particular lesson for that half an hour or 45 um, minute group. So it wouldn't be. Um, maybe you wouldn't call it a lesson plan, but you would be planning, I would hope would yeah. be planning <laughs> what you would be doing within in that group. So right. that new principle is not too far off the mark um, to make that request. Um, but if, if I really would encourage um, anyone who has a problem with something that this is what I see happen. This is what I would see happen in school side. And then maybe this resonates with your listeners. A principal yeah. comes out, new principal or an old seasoned principal will come out. Okay, this is a different year. I need lesson plans from my teachers and I need lesson plans from the auxiliary staff. And um, and sometimes their decisions come from they have a much larger picture of what's yeah. happening in the school and the district. 
And we don't always share everything because who wants to hear everything and there's right. not enough time in the day. And, um, but this is what will happen. So we'll make that kind of decision and then people will call their girlfriend up or they go to their department head and complain, or they go into the teacher lounge. And I'm not saying that venting isn't important, but it can create a negative school culture. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's also, if, if that, if they're a strong leader and positive school culture is important, you can get called in on that and asked about, Hey, what's going on? Yeah. So I encourage people to be proactive. If you are irritated or bothered by something, go to the source, go to the source and ask for clarification, go to this new principal and ask, um, and this is this is professional to gossip and complain is unprofessional right so the solution is go talk to the principal and let them know this is what i hear you say or this is what i hear you need lesson plans what does that look like for me who's not a classroom teacher what does that look for look what does that look like for me as an slp and just get clarification it will save yourself a lot of upset i like that what does it look like because as you said before, sometimes there's a way that you can do it that does apply to you. Sometimes the, this doesn't apply to me. A lot of times that comes up and I, I get it. I get that people who are in those specialized related service provider positions, they want training that is relevant to their specific discipline, but also you have to be a member of that team and figure out like, if you don't know what's going on in the building and those other things, then it is hard to be a member of the team. And so sometimes it might, maybe the first draft might not be exactly how it um, would apply to you. But if you say, how does this look for me? Instead of that doesn't apply to me, the conversation can be a little bit different. Yeah. How do, how can I, um, what do, what do they need from me to be a part of this culture? Because every school will be different. Every school yeah. It's very the expectation, I think, of a, a of a principal, because I consider my speech pathologist pros is that they come in and they make the effort to be a part of this team. And if they're struggling or need something, then come to me. Yeah, because the, the last thing you want is your principal being saying to you, you're not being a team player. You're not being a part of the staff. You're not communicating. You don't want that. And yet neither do we because we, by the time we notice, it's a big problem. So it, it doesn't have to be that way. Come in with the attitude that this is my school. These are my teachers. These are my kids. In my district, I didn't write the evaluations for speech pathologists, but I told their boss what to put into the evaluations because yeah. I was working closely with them. So, um, I would ask myself, what is stopping me from just going to this principal and asking for clarification? That's a good one. And, um, and I think that you don't always get the best ideas when you are in that, like, let me gossip, <laughs> let me gossip with my friends. You I know? would, <laughs> yeah, I don't think you get any good ideas. Yeah. That does not serve you as a speech pathologist because it will get back to your boss. It will get back and you will get known as that speech pathologist that doesn't get along with school sites, that doesn't get along with the team. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anyone really wants that. I know that no, no one wants that. 
And it's, um, it doesn't make for a fun, positive environment. It doesn't make it fun for the speech path. In the long term, it just, it doesn't serve anyone, especially, especially the children who we're serving. So um, I know as a principal, I didn't know there was a problem until you came and talked to me because there was, there's such a massive amount of a workload on, right. on a school site leader that we try to keep from our teachers, our staffs and our students. We, you know, we're kind of like the queen, we just wave and everything's fine. I don't think that many understand the massive amount of workload. I am wondering, so with that, a lot of those things we're sort of talking about, you know, when something, when you're, you're a school leader, bring something from the top down and says, here's how we're going to handle this situation, like the lesson plan example. But what if there's a team member and I'm, you know, this could be the SLP, the social worker, the psychologist, and they have noticed that a lot of teachers have needed support in a certain area. And they think that there's something that could be done proactively at the building level. So maybe they're the people who are getting a lot of these referrals for students who are more in the tier three, but they're saying, oh, well, what if we did these things at tier one and tier two? How do you go the other way around and figure out how to, as a member of that team, start those types of initiatives and get those things in place when you're not, you're not the official leader, but you can kind of emerge as a leader on that. But you're team. part of the team, but mm -hmm. you're still part of the team. So right. it's, it's, um, and I think that that is very common or was more common as we began to see more inclusion into the mm -hmm. general classroom and IEPs weren't in place and maybe we didn't have one-on-ones and there was some emotional ED going on. General classroom teachers at the elementary level, which is what I am, it they weren't always prepared for some of the behaviors that yeah. uh, impacted mm -hmm instruction and that has such an impact on their kids in the classroom and so i to i can see both sides so i think it's as a instinctual response a gen ed teacher would go that's a tier three and yeah. and and jump right to it because of the frustration and the fear mm -hmm. and um the lack of support at least yeah. in public education of, of they get so if someone, the psychologist, um, I never had social, I didn't have social workers except from the state, but if the psychologist or the SLP are seeing this, I would hope that I had a good enough relationship with them that they would come to me and say, so-and-so is really um, struggling with this particular student, is really um, having a hard time. And we would put our, our heads together first and figure out how we could support that teacher to support the kid because the teacher has that student six hours a day. Yeah. Whereas a psychologist has them maybe half an hour a week, if ever, and the speech pathologist might only have them two to three hours a week. So if they have a concern, I would welcome, and that has happened. A good speech pathologist will come to me and say, Hey, I saw, I see so-and-so is really struggling. Let's put our brains together and let's put our heads together and figure out how we can support her. And often it isn't getting more training from the district. That's mm -hmm. not the usual yeah. support. Sometimes it is having a meeting and brainstorming and putting our heads together with all the different strategies that we knew and trying this out. And then if that and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't work, just getting into that massive action and having a lot of fails 
that's part of uh, special education for sure. And finding out what will work with students, you will fail so much more before you succeed. But you've got to have those fails and to see what it is that you need and tweak, do mm -hmm. this, do that. So I would, I would hope that they would come to me with that spirit, and then we could get into the solution. I wanted to take a quick break here and talk about the time tracking journal. One of the things that comes up in this conversation is the conversation around what to do when it comes to classroom accommodations, especially when there might be some disagreement among team members about what needs to happen or what is actually going on. And one thing that comes up a lot is that people might notice that there's something in the IEP and it's not being implemented in the classroom or maybe the team just doesn't know what supports need to be in place in the classroom and everybody is confused and trying to figure it out together. Many times some of these supports are put in place because there are behaviors or students are getting stuck and not able to follow along with class and many times it's an executive functioning issue so students are not able to engage in future pacing and planning to figure out what success looks like, how to work back, how to visualize themselves doing the steps, and then how to get started and persevere through something that might be challenging. And many times there are some classroom supports being put in place. There's different visuals and charts and timers being used, but kids continue to struggle. Solving this problem is a team approach, and the first step in figuring out how that looks is getting a core strategy in place. And that's what I outline in the time tracking journal. If you are a therapist working in the schools, it'll outline not only things that you can work on in therapy, but strategies that you can share with other people on your team that they can implement in their classrooms so that kids can get that support across the day. And it's even something that you can share with parents as well. To learn more, you're gonna to wanna to go to drkarendudekbrennan.com backslash time journal. Now let's get back to the interview. Let's say that you do have a student who is identified, you've had your IEP meeting and the team has decided like, here are some classroom interventions that this student needs. And of course, classroom interventions, well, that falls on the teacher. And so that means that they need the support to be able to put those things in place. And there's been times when I've been in the schools where there's this disconnect. So the, for whatever reason, the accommodation is not getting done in the classroom. Um, the teacher's not doing it. And then the, the people on the team are saying, you know, why isn't this being done? And then the parents calling and it's, you know, why isn't my kid getting what's on their IP and all of those things. And then everybody's kind of coming from all these different angles. Um, so how, how do we kind of bring everybody down and have a conversation about that to figure out what's happening there and how to move forward? Okay, I'm going to ask you, because you've had this experience, Karen, why do you think it's not getting done? Why? So there are many times when it is, sometimes there is something that the teacher is seeing that the people who aren't in the classroom don't realize. So for example, one thing that's done a lot is, you know, a student who, um, you know, maybe they have some, some needs from attention or sensory and they're, they need breaks. Um, or they it has on their their IEP that they get a break card. And so maybe the teacher is saying, well, they're just using the break card to get out of something that they don't want to do. And they're using it all the time. There's not enough specific parameters around it. And then there's 
the, the student is going home and telling the parents this is happening. Um, and then there's just miscommunication about what's going on. And so a lot of times it's a lack of understanding about what everybody uh, in who's implementing that plan is experiencing. So that is something where it's there might be a reason that the teacher's not doing it. Sometimes it could be a mindset issue with the teacher where it's just like, you know, I don't like they just don't have the training and the knowledge, but sometimes there is a legitimate thing and there's a legitimate reason and we need to tweak and come together. And so it is a lack of understanding of the people that aren't in there sometimes. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I've, I believe this about students and I believe this about staff. No one is ever misbehaving. There's, mm -hmm. they just need to be taught for what it is that we need. And um, that's a great example of something being put in the IEP that was failing. Mm -hmm. Take breaks. Here's your break card. And um, you get eight to 10 breaks a day. But the student is using it to as an avoidance strategy. Right. Yeah. All right. And that's a problem. So um, that is, and that's hard for teachers. So sometimes a teacher will communicate it, but I, my expectation would be that my the special education teacher would be communicating and would be supporting the teacher and supporting the student. Do you see yeah. what I'm saying? That mm -hmm. um, uh, the way I. Um, so I don't think that, uh, so in that particular situation, I don't think it's necessarily miscommunication. I would, ex I would want my special education teacher who's, who is the case manager for that IEP to be looking out for that and supporting the teacher. And then if they needed more help with support coming to me, but that that's a good special ed teacher that will step in. Yeah. and see that like uh, and they're usually friends you know yeah. they're, they're good team members and they can support the teacher listen yeah i see it up they're just they're trying to do avoidance and tweaking it and then if we have to do an addendum to the ip or or mm -hmm. if the parent wants another ip we can come back but i have in my 20-year career i have never seen a teacher blow off an iep i've seen one they didn't know it was in the iep Okay, because yeah, they never got a copy yeah. of it. <laughs> that happens. And because at the meeting, we all just sign and the copies, you know, a copy didn't get to them. You know, the, the whoever mm -hmm. was the case manager yeah. didn't give them a copy. So they didn't know. Right. Um, so my teachers not... usually read it at the beginning of the year when they got a new student. But one, they didn't get a new copy of it. Or two, what was in the IEP is wasn't working. And the, the SPED teacher wasn't following up and giving the teacher ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've never, I've never, those are the only two reasons I've ever seen a teacher um, not follow directions, but I, I always had great teachers. I don't know what it's like in the rest of the United States. In my district and the three schools I had, I had the best of the best. You know, I think that it's like 99% of the time there, there is a legitimate reason. And it doesn't mean that you ignore the IEP, but you do have the conversation to figure out do we need to change this? Do we need to do an addendum? Is there something that needs to be in place so that this can happen? Um, is this accommodation not something that makes sense for the student? And maybe we thought it was last year. And, and yes, there are people that there, there's always that one person who maybe legitimately just doesn't want to do it, but it's not the norm. I, I've no, I've never well. seen it. I've honestly, I've heard of it, but that teacher is usually in some type of, um, 
you know, evaluation process. There's, mm -hmm. there's more problems than that. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of other problems going on, but I've never seen it personally. And uh, what I do see is I see the case manager stepping in and supporting the teacher with, because usually they try to work it out. Yeah. And come mm -hmm. up with ideas and strategies yeah. before we have to take it back to the IEP or do an, or an addendum. That's what I've seen work. Yeah. I mean, again, the majority of the time, I would, if I were in that situation, it's like, why, why do we even need to go to the principal unless just, just for normal communication of what's yeah, going on? Well, I like yeah. to know, I yeah. like to know what's going on with my kids. Things are working, not working. Yeah. It doesn't mean I, I ha I'm going to offer a solution. Sometimes it's just, unless I'm asked for it, it's just nice to know what's going on. If you're in the classroom a lot, you'll notice that's what's going on. But, um, so I think your original question was, what do, what do people do if they're not following the, um, the IEP? I, is this specifically for speech pathologists? If they're not, if, if a teacher's not following the IEP? I would say it would be for anybody on that team okay. um, who's a case manager. So, uh, you, you know, speech pathologists are case managers. Sometimes it's the special ed teacher and sometimes the other team members are still involved, even if they're not the case manager right. and they're they're hearing about it because they're a part of that team. So, yeah. So I worry yeah. hearing about concerns me <laughs> hearing yeah. about it, unless you see it. And my speech pathologists were only case managers when it was speech only. Mm -hmm. Typically, and I would yeah. want to know I this is what I saw. I would want to know if the teacher wasn't releasing them for speech. Mm -hmm. You know, because sometimes a teacher will talk to the speech path and say, listen, you're right in the middle of my language arts lessons or my math lesson. This is really important. Can we find another time? And the answer may be no. And the answer may be yes. So it's working together in the schedule. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, it did. I mean, I think it was just just the idea of that there's 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 usually a reason behind things and it's usually not necessarily the reason that you think you know it's not that the teacher doesn't want to it's just that there's a there's another reason why they're not doing it or why whatever you think needs to happen isn't happening so yeah i try to look at my motives too when i'm unhappy about something or i'm thinking somebody's not doing it right Am I, I look at my, am I trying to control the situation? Mm -hmm. Is it because I don't like this person or I don't agree with it or I'm just being bossy? I mean, I really try to, what is the motive? Is my motive to be helpful? Is my motive to, what are the motives? Sometimes the motives are just human. Mm -hmm. All right. And I, uh, yeah. and it's human to want to blame somebody. It's yeah. human to want to think it's them and not me. But it's so important in being a good team and creating a good school culture and one that succeeds and does really well for kids that we self-reflect on ourselves with, you know, I call it love eyes, you know, being kind to yourself, self, what are my motives? What am I trying to do here? Am I just tired and irritable? Am I really upset with my husband or am I really upset with what's going on in the classroom? I just think it's so important to self-reflect. And that's something that I used to help my staff with. They would come and talk to me and vent and we would able to kind of get what's really going on because sometimes what we think is going on is not really going on. It mm -hmm. has to do with something so I think self-reflection, it's not something I always see in education. Yeah, well, it's, you know, I, I do, I understand how 
if you are just very burnt out, you're not in a place where mm -hmm. you might think to stop and reflect. So you do have to create that space for it. Um, but I think what the other thing and, and just, you know, what I would hope people take away from this is that by taking responsibility for these things and by, by talking about this, we're not saying that the system is perfect and that there are not things that that are happening that are unfortunate, but but you can control what you can control. And so that's it's really the best bet to think about what you can, like and what you can do. do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to know that we can't control circumstances. Mm -hmm. We can't control people, places and things. And I see that as one of the causes of burnout, trying to control everything, yeah. or trying to control mm -hmm. things that really aren't in your control. Yeah, it may not even be your business. Oh, yeah, but, totally. But, you know, um, it's human to do that. But burnout comes from not that you don't have self care, but it really it, it starts with a mind of thinking that I've got to be per perfectionism. I've got to control the circumstance I've got to con which by the way, are not control facts are not con can't control facts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just it is what it is what people say what people do those are facts. We can only control ourselves. And that's where the burnout comes trying to be personally perfect and trying to control others to get them to be perfect. That yeah. is a big burnout that that will cause burnout more than just kind of staying in your lane, doing what you need to do, what your job is. And when you have a concern or you need help reaching out to reaching out to your district person, reaching out to your principal and talking about concerns. I've never met a print. I've never. I'm sure they exist, but in my district, there were every principal had a good heart and a concern and wanted to hear what the problems were and one of the concerns and how to help yeah. and trying to do it alone. Okay. These are the three things of burnout, trying to do it alone, trying to control situations that are beyond your control and being and perfectionism. Those are the three causes of burnout. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. And the, the whole idea of, of control, I, that is. I think that's big, especially when you're, you feel like you need to advocate for yourself, your students, and you do have to be very clear on here are the things that I can do. And beyond that, my job is done. Like I, I can go and approach someone and have a conversation with someone, but I can't make someone do something. Mm -hmm. I can, I can control how I respond to whatever there is that they do, whether it be a student or a person you work with, but you can't control certain things beyond that, beyond what whatever you chose oh. to do. And we can't control student progress. You know, yeah. in the beginning, there's an IEP with benchmarks that we want this to be successful at the end of the year. I have seen staff just destroy themselves because a student is not there within three months. You know, an IEP is for the whole year. And in special education kids, that their progress is different. We're just looking for progress. And these kids open their gifts at different times. You know, it may not be the year that you're with them. Yeah, that is, that's hard. Cause you're like, oh, I feel like I'm not doing anything, but maybe you're, you're doing the underground things before the, the, the plant blooms yeah. or something like and, that. And, and that is trying, that is the burnout I was talking about. Yeah. That's trying to control something that's beyond your control when, when a, 
special education student opens their gift that's not within your control and then perfectionism those two will burn you out so fast and it Mm -hmm. so it's um we're talking kind of about raising your emotional intelligence here yeah well i feel like i mean we've got a couple really important themes here just the whole idea of asking yourself how you're how you're interpreting things what what you can control and just um, being able to approach things with with this whole attitude of curiosity about what's really happening rather than making assumptions. And I feel like I could throw scenarios at you all day and have you unpack them, but I know that we've been talking for a while. So well, I know g- it's I'll good- tell you what, give me one more specific scenario and I'll unpack it for you. Okay, let's do it. I have a, I've got a list here. So <laughs> okay, so let's say this is this is one that does come up a lot where so from the and this is i hear it from speech pathologists hear it from other people as well who are in a a therapist role or a um some kind of interventionist where there are certain things based on our clinical background that you know certain things need to be addressed in more of a therapy we're pulling them out of the classroom just because the intensity is not is going to be difficult to get if you are using push in classroom based And some people have said that their administrator or the leadership has said, we're doing inclusion this year. And so we expect that most of the support staff are going to be doing classroom-based intervention. And so some of them have a hard time navigating, okay, here's, you know, I know that I'm using multiple models of service delivery. Some, you know, I might be consulting or going into the classroom, but then some kids really do need to be pulled out. And so... That's something that I have had to coach people through to just figure out um, how to how to have those conversations with your principal. Again, I, I think it's very similar to a lot of the themes that you've brought mm-hmm. up so far, but I'm just curious your thoughts on that specific thing, because it's something that comes up for therapists and the ethical challenge that they have is, you know, I have clinical ba- experience and they're making a recommendation that I don't know is going to be a fit for all of my students. And I need, need to be able to diagnose specific cases and not necessarily always use the same service delivery model. I agree. That, that That's a good one. That's a great specific example. I would say to them, if they're not happy with the hours that they're getting um, and that they think the child needs more. And by the way, in general education, I agree. They always need more. They always need more service, always, always, always. But we have limited resources. This is general education. There's only so much money. Um, There's only so much, you have a caseload and you have to, you know, do to work your schedule. So if you really feel that child needs more pullout, the time to talk about it is during the IEP. It's it's just the speech department that comes from that. And it, it also, it is looking at those hours And that's what parents have fought hard for these last 10 years is to have their kids fully included. Yeah, um, I know that there are certain geographic areas that are known for being more litigious than others. So I I know that that has an impact as well. So that that and I think that's another example of how principals sometimes know or principals or superintendents and other district leaders might know some of those things that are impacting the decisions that principals and other people are making that maybe the staff don't know. So I always am kind of like, why don't you maybe talk talk to your principal and see 
like see where their head is like and just kind of and obviously I know that you might not be able to share some of those things with with your staff this has been wonderful um now I I think people would love to know where they can learn more about you I know you have a podcast um you have coaching services that you offer for people working in the schools so where can people connect with you well I have a podcast called the principal purpose and I have a, my website is at Lynn Harden, H-A-R-D-I-N.com. And I have a, a, I love this guide, this free guide on how to learn how to leave work at work. It's a free survival guide. And it's about that healthy life work balance. And um, I'm proud of it. I think it's a really great resource and I've gotten good feedback. And so go to my website and I, I think that that would be, it would be helpful. And you could reach out to me through um, my podcast or on my website, and I'd be happy to help in any way and answer questions. If you have specific situations that come up, I'm happy to help. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh, my pleasure. you so much for listening. To learn more about where you can connect with Lynn, please check the show notes. And to learn more about the Time Tracking Journal, a strategy for improving time management, future planning, and executive functioning, you'll want to go to drkarendudekbrennan.com backslash time journal. As always, it helps me so much if you leave me a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you have a suggestion for a guest, or if you would like to be a guest on the show, please email me at talktome at drkarenspeech.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. 
That's myflexlearning.com backslash B-E.